0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to Muciefirchurch dot com or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page Muncie dot com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well we are continuing our series There is a cloud. This week. And we started last week and we began talking about the idea that we go through dry seasons in life. Sometimes you go through a dry season and it feels like a famine. And the question that we wrestled with last week was how do we respond from a faith perspective in a dry season? And We looked at the story of Elijah and how he, he responded in faith, and he went through this famine that plagued the land, and it was three years without rain. And to sum it all up in a very simple and quick recap, if you want to know more and you missed last week, go listen to the message online or uh, read chap- First Kings chapter 17, that'll at least get you close. But quick recap here. Is that we said that God will often allow us to go through tough seasons, through dry seasons, to grow our faith. That it's all a part of us uh, essentially having a testing of faith or experiencing this so that we will be faithful with what God has given us. And we looked at the part in in the story where the widow has a jar and a jug, and that's all that she has left in the world a a, a jar of of, of flour and, and a jug of olive oil, and that's all she has left in the world, and she was faithful. With that, And so we ask the question is, are we faithful with what God has given us? Have we been faithful? And so I want to begin this morning with a simple question. I think it's relatively easy answer. But in the midst of the famine, what did the people need more than anything else? Keep in mind, it hadn't rained in three years. So what did they need? Say it out loud. Yeah, rain. That's right rain they wanted rain they were desperate for rain and this was true of Elijah this would have been true of the people who lived in the land and it would have been true of the king king Ahab and he was they were all completely desperate for rain but the question that we need to wrestle with this morning is were they ready for rain were they ready for rain now this summer Um, We had some work done on our house. We realized that there were some issues. Uh, To put it mildly, our house was not ready for rain. You know what I'm talking about? Like it, it just was not ready for rain. And so, uh, if you have not been living under a rock this recently, you would know that this year has been extremely rainy. I mean, this, this wintertime, spring—it was like what just happened. You know, we had rain constantly and constantly. And all that rain uh, did a number on our house. We started to experience some mildew and some mold issues and and different things. And we had to have um, some work done on the house to kind of deal with those things. And what we discovered was that we had about four four to six inches of water underneath our house pretty much everywhere we were like living in a rainforest it was it was fun it was fun the humidity was so high in the house I, mean, it, it, I don't know what normal levels should be but we weren't there you know we were not there it was rough and it caused a lot of damage but you could say that we were not ready for rain we were not ready And you might be in the middle of your dry season right now. You might be, it is the driest season you've ever been in and you're like, God, I need you to move. I'm ready, I'm desperate. I'm ready for rain to pour down in my life. I'm ready for a change of season and I want something good to happen. Get me out of this dry season. But the question truly is this morning, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that to happen? Last week, we said that God won't give us what is next until we've been obedient in the now? He will never take us on to the next level or allow us to move into the next phase of life if we haven't been obedient in the area that we're in now. Why would he do that? Why would he, why would he give us more if we can't handle a little? And so are you or have you been faithful with the little that God has given you? For Elijah coming out of the drought meant going on to the mountaintop. That's what we're going to see in our story this morning is that he goes from being in this three year famine and drought and God has something for him on the mountaintop. And it's a story that we're actually going to skip this week. The best part of the story we're going to skip and come back to next week. But if you've read this story, then you may be familiar or may remember what happens is Elijah goes on to the top of this mountain, Mount Carmel, and he has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. Now these prophets ha- are, are essentially why the famine happened in the first place. That the people of Israel had been worshiping these prophets that God never intended them to worship. He, he wanted them to worship him and, and they had taken up false gods and all these other gods and they had gone astray. And so Elijah and these prophets have a showdown on top of Mount Carmel and he kicks their butt. Is that okay to say? Yeah. He kicks their butt. And essentially what it was was is it was basically like whose God will show up in the form of fire? Who will rain down fire from heaven? And they call on their God and it's like a whole afternoon of all this crazy stuff and nothing happens. And then Elijah calls on God and he comes down and he burns up the altar. He burns up everything. And then Elijah has all of the prophets killed. Now, this signified the sin of the people of Israel. It signified the sin of the king and queen. And so with that being removed, then the drought could be removed as well. The curse of famine, the curse of the drought could finally be removed. And so Elijah is at a point in time where he sees, hey, there's gonna be a change of season. How many of you would want a change of season right now? Anybody in your life? Not, not talking about outside, Because summer for me could go on forever. Although there are, Starbucks thinks it's fall already, and we were in Menards the other day, and they think it's Christmas, so I don't even know what to do. Lila saw that there were Christmas lights out. She said, My eyes are burning. I don't know why, but because the lights, I guess, I don't know. My heart was burning with rage that we have to already think about Christmas, but I digress. Totally distracted. Where was I? Oh, Elijah. He is faced this incredible challenge with this drought, and he sees an opportunity. He sees that it's going to finally change. His circumstances are going to finally change. And this is an amazing moment. And God calls him to go up onto the mountaintop because God has what's next for him on the mountaintop. And I believe that he has what's next for you as you leave your dry season up on the mountaintop. And so my question this morning, again, is are you ready for what God has for you next? Are you ready, church? Only one of you, two of you. Are we ready? Okay. Somebody over here said no. We'll pray for you later. 1 Kings, I'm on a trip. 1 Kings chapter 18, if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be. And we're going to start with verse Forty-one. As I said, we're skipping the kind of maybe more known part of this passage, but we will come back to it next week. He says this, verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, the, of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Now it's interesting to me that Elijah returns to the place where he just had this showdown with the prophets. He just, all these prophets were just killed there. There was this amazing move of God and he goes back to this place to to pray. Again, it's signifying the removal of the sin from the people, from God's people. And now it's time to get rid of the drought, to get rid of the famine. It's signifying that change and he's going to go and he's going to pray for rain to come. Now, Elijah goes and he sits down and he begins to pray Pray, and he can already hear the sound of rain coming. Have you ever had that happen, been in that situation where you, you can literally hear the rain coming off in the distance? You can smell it. You know, that, that is, isn't that an amazing smell? That just beautiful, awesome smell of, of rain coming. And sometimes, usually, I feel like we smell it more than we hear it. But if you've like ever been out on a lake or something or, or been in a situation where you've got things like for the water to really bounce off of, it's awesome. You hear it coming, and if you're on the lake and you hear lightning, then you're scared. But if it's just rain, it's okay. You know, you know, it's, it's fine. It is a beautiful thing to hear that heavy rain move in, and that's where Elijah is at. He's in this moment. He can hear it. He can almost probably even smell it. Put, put yourself there. As we read the rest of this text, get that image in your mind. He says, Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. If you can imagine the servant's probably getting a little irritated, I've told you, there's nothing. Go back, he says. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, and a heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Imagine this for a moment. If you've ever been in a situation where a storm is coming upon you. One time Allison and I were, we were over in Marion and we were shopping and we, we were pulled, I think we pulled into a Walmart parking lot and we literally could see it was like the gates of Hades had opened up. I mean, and that's just being at Walmart, but <laughs> behind Walmart was even worse. And it was just this black, black cloud coming over and we were like, we're going to die. And it was a tornado. I mean, it was, literally was a tornado coming. And we, we, I think we were in the process of actually leaving Walmart. And so we got in the car and we're like, we're going to outrun this thing. And so we drove down and we realized, no, we're not. So we pulled into Staples and hid out for a while. But that's what, that's what he's experiencing here. He's, he's in this moment of, of the storm is coming. And if you can imagine what it would have been like for Elijah, he tells the king, the rain is coming. This has been three years in the making, three years of famine, three years of drought, three years of death and suffering and people dying because they didn't have food. And it's all about to stop in this moment because rain is finally coming on the land. And we sang today the the line that they planted seeds in sorrow. They've probably planted their seed. They're waiting on God to do something. They're hoping. And rain is so close that Elijah concerned for the king he says go because if you don't go now you're not going to be able to that's how bad it's going to be that's how much rain is coming you're not going to be able to get away from the mountain so you need to go and go immediately and Elijah was so ready for rain that after telling him to hitch up the chariot he outruns him to Jezreel now a lot of the research I've done said it's about potentially about 14 miles or 17 miles I don't know which is I can't do the conversion. You know what I mean. The math is not working for me. But it's it's either 14 or 17 miles. Whether it's two or 14, I don't care. That's a long way to outrun a horse and a chariot. For me, it's just a long way to run. Period. You know, I, whatever. You know, I'm not doing that. But Elijah is so ready for rain. He is so eager, so excited in an anticip- anticipation of what God is about to do that through God's power he tucks in his shirt grabs his belt imagine it was a little baggy he had to kind of pull up and he outruns a horse and chariot 14 miles it's amazing more amazing than your 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 reaction to me it's it's just shock and awe you know shock and awe uh, he's like the flash i mean he's just gone you know the dry season is no more it's no more God was going to bring rain on the land, which meant food, crops, livestock, being able to eat, being able to have meat and prosperity and and money again and life and greenery and all the good things that come as a result of rain on the land. That was going to happen. And see, I don't think that God gave Elijah this ability just to outrun the rain for his own self-preservation or his own, like, to, to show dominance and power over uh, the king, are you lost? Oh, okay. I just, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think that he did this to like show some sort of like to like for 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 Elijah to be able to look at the king and say, you know, you had your horse and your chariot and yada yada, and I ran faster than you the fourteen miles. I don't think it had anything to do with that. But I do believe that it was to show the power and dominance of God in this situation. To show the king, King Ahab, that the God of gods and the Lord of lords and King of kings was involved in this situation. That he brings the rain on the land. Not Elijah, not the king, not the prophets of Baal, but the one true God. And he wanted, more than anything else, not to make the king feel small, I don't think God wanted the king to feel, you know, you know, powerless or anything like that. But to be motivated to surrender his life to God. To be motivated by this situation to say, you know what? You are the God that I should be worshiping. Not these other prophets, not these other gods. So what does this look like for us? What does it look like for you and I to be ready for rain to happen in our lives? Well, I think we have to kind of define what that means, because that's kind of a metaphorical kind of language, and I want to give you some practical things. What does it mean for rain to happen in our lives? Well, it's probably different for many of us, because we all have different needs, and we're all at different stages of life. But what I think it means is for us, in whatever we're experiencing, when we're experiencing a dry season, for rain to come, it might mean for you financial prosperity, It might mean that God is going to do a work in your finances and turn things around. And I know some of you in here, you would say, you know what? I actually don't need prosperity. I just need Friday to get here so the check will come. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be rich. I just want to pay these bills that are stacked up over here. You know, can we get that? You know, you don't need a lottery ticket with millions of dollars. You just need, God, I just need you to help me get through this season financially. Or maybe for you, it's it's in the area of health. In your health. And you want God to rain down in your health. You've been dealing with some things. Or you have some sort of illness or something that's plagued you. And you're kind of suffering in that regard. And you want God to just rain down healing in the area of health in your life. You need him to move. Maybe it's in your marriage. You know, maybe, maybe you need God to move in your marriage. It's just like you haven't connected or you haven't, you know, even had, feel like you're just kind of living together like your roommates. You're like, you wake up and she's still there and he's still there and you're like, why? You know, I mean, you don't even, we even like each other. I mean, you snore a lot, you know, and it's like, why? You know, and you need God to move in your marriage. Or maybe you're a parent and you need God to move in your parenting. Moms and dads, could could you amen on this here? Uh, Sometimes we just need a win, don't we, as a parent? What I mean by that is sometimes we just need a moment where we feel like we had a victory. It's like the day is long, you know, the days are long, but the years are short. And it's like, wow, I just need a win today. My kid, that one over there, he doesn't listen to a word I say. I swear to you, he's going to hit his sister. I promise, you know, and you're like, I'm going to give him up for adoption if he keeps that up. You know, I I'm, I'm, can't deal with it. You just need to win. You just need to lay down on the pillow at night and feel like, man, today was a good day and I'm a great mom. And I feel it. Or I'm a great dad and I feel it. Maybe it's a situation where your kids are struggling and I think as much as the kids carry a burden of struggling in different ways, and, I, and our teenagers are dealing with things that are, it's unbelievable what they deal with in schools and bullying and things, and the stories that I hear and the things that we talk about at times. And, and you know what? You as parents, you carry that burden as well. Maybe even more so. Because if you, I don't know about you, but I feel absolutely helpless when my kids come home and tell me that someone has been mean to them. Now, I plot that other kid's demise in my head, um, I, I haven't been motivated to do it yet, but you know what I mean? Like you're thinking, man, I, I would love to get my hands on that kid or that kid's parents because they don't didn't raise their child right. You know, they don't know how to treat anybody. But when when you feel that, don't you just want for your kid to get a win? You know, you want them to feel good about themselves. And maybe you need God to rain down in that situation in your life. Or maybe right now you just need some encouragement. Or you need a friend who will come alongside you and just put their arm around you and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. Or maybe you just need a difficult season to pass you by. It seems like you've just been stuck and everything is hard right now. Everything is difficult and you need it to pass by. Or maybe it could be a promotion at work. Amen. Sometimes you might, you know, you feel like, man, it would be great to get a promotion at work right now. Or maybe you have a person that you work with that you're like, you know what, I pray every day that they would change jobs. That they would find a new career and go somewhere else. You know, it's okay. I mean, let's be honest. It's okay to be honest in church. If you're praying that, you know, you need God to rain down in that situation. Or maybe to have a breakthrough with your boss. Or maybe it's some other area. But here's the thing about those, these situations. We've got to prepare for when that happens. We've got to be ready for when God rains down and moves in that moment. We've got to be ready. And so what I want us to get this morning is that I believe that there are some principles that would have existed in the lives of the people in Elijah's day that are just as true for us today. As they would be preparing and have heard the news that rain is coming, if they were good preparers, they would have done some things to get ready for that rain. If you're a good prepper, I'll use that word, you would do... At least, at least four things. I totally lost my place. Okay, here we are. Sorry. You would do four things. Coming out of a drought, going onto the mountaintop, getting ready for rain, you'd have done at least these four things. The first thing is you would plant seed. Second thing, you would prepare for damage as a result of the rain. Third, you would find a way to share the blessings. And fourth, you'd make provisions for the future. Now, I know I went through those really fast, but I'm going to break them down. See, I think that you might have done many, many other things, but I think those are at least four logical steps that in prepping for rain, you would have done those things. God's going to pour his rain out on your life. This is what we need to do, church. This is what we need to do in our lives. The first two require more explanation than the second, so I'll spend some time on them. The first one is we've got to plant seed in faithful expectation of rain. You've got to plant seeds. And, and, and expect that God is going to do something. So are you planting seeds? And here's, here's what I mean by this. Are you planting seeds in your life or, or having doing anything to expect that God is going to move in your life? Do you expect at all that God is going to do something? Do you expect that God is going to do something when you show up to church? See, I thought about this this morning and thinking about this point. I think one of the reasons that so often we get kind of bitter and we get complacent in church is because we, not because we don't think church is important, not because we're like, well, I don't really care to go, but it's because we reach a place where we stop expecting God to do anything. We come in this house, we sing songs, these amazing, just beautiful worship songs and testaments of God's faithfulness and God's moving in our lives, but we sit back and we sing them with zero expectation that God is going to do anything that we just sing. We don't think that God's going to move. We're not hoping or praying that God does something in, in our lives and in our hearts and the lives of people around us because we've lost that expectation. And some of us, we're not even bothering to plant the seed anymore. We're just like, you know what? It's just gonna, we're gonna stay in this three year famine. But I believe that what they would have done in Elijah's day and what we need to be doing in our life is expecting that God is gonna bring the rain, expecting that God is gonna move. And so we're gonna plant seeds and we're gonna trust that God is gonna do something big. Elijah was so expectant that he outran ran King Ahab. That's some big expectation. We need to live in that kind of faith. We need, to, we need to trust. See, it would be easy for Elijah to have some doubts. I mean, it's been three years of famine. The king probably had some doubts. He The people probably weren't sure. Do we hold on to these seeds? Or do we plant them in the ground in the hopes that rain is coming? And my urging to you this morning, church, is that we plant them in the ground and expect that God is going to move expect that God is going to move. We should be planting seeds. And so what does this look like for you? Well, for you, it might simply mean going to work tomorrow and living out your faith in front of the people that you work with. I imagine that that is a very difficult thing to do. I know uh, that it's uh, hard for me to say that because I come to work at a church on Monday and if I don't have to hide my faith, I know that might be a shock to you, (laughs) I don't have to pretend Uh, that I'm a Christian or not a Christian at the church. (laughs) You know, uh, no one's judging me for that. But I understand that in your situation, it might be very difficult. In fact, it might be to the detriment of your ability to get that promotion that we mentioned or to, to connect with people that you work with by being open about your faith. And I'm not saying you go and cram it down people's throat, but maybe tomorrow you step into work and you just be yourself and you be real about what God is doing in your life, and live out your faith in front of someone else. Just live it out. Because who knows what God might want to do in that situation. For some of you, it might be to step step into a role of of serving. Serving here at the church or serving in our community in some way and trusting that God can use you. See, I think one of the reasons that people don't get involved in serving is because they think that they have nothing of value to offer anyone else. But that's not true. We all have different life experiences and different things. You all have something that God can use. Probably more so than you believe about yourself. And so I would challenge you to trust God and believe that he can use you to make a difference in somebody else's life just by simply serving. Maybe for you it's to step up and become a small group leader or to join a small group. It might be to take a chance and share your story of faith with a friend or a coworker who is not a believer. And again, I know that's, that is very difficult to do sometimes. But maybe God wants to use that moment. We've got to plant seeds and let God do what He does to water them. I love the text, Mark chapter 4. There's a story where Jesus tells the story of the parable of the different soil. And he talks about the difficult soil and the, and the, and the ones that choke out the, the seed and you know it grows up and then it's choked out. But he gets to the end and he talks about what happens when we plant on good soil. And he says this, others like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. God may want to use you to plant a seed in somebody else's life, that grows some thirty, some sixty, or some hundred times what was sown. You have no idea. But if you never plant the seed, you will never know. Second thing, we've got to prepare for the consequences of rain. Now, kind of I want to, another way of saying this is I want to say, we've got to dig a trench. We've got to dig a trench. And where I get that is from the experience we had with our house this year. The reason the water wouldn't get out from underneath the house is because there was no proper trench dug for it to go and get away from the house. It would just puddle under there, and you, you know we could go swim down there if we wanted, and that's it's fun times, you know, it's a good day. But because it, it wouldn't go away from the house and be funneled to a place of purpose, it, it it wasn't working right. And what I mean in 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 regards to this spiritual application is is that we we've got a We got to prepare for the consequences. We got to dig the trench and be ready for when the rain comes that we funnel it in a proper place. Because, see, there are both good and bad consequences to rain coming. Both good and bad. Which is also true of God moving in your life. Maybe bad is a poor choice of words. Maybe we'll say good and challenging consequences as a result of God working in your life. See, when God moves, we should be both excited and ready for that and there's this great newness and and awesome but there also it brings with it challenges and difficulty so when it comes to a house there are really two important things as it relates to rain the first one is a foundation right we we hear jesus even talking about how important the foundation is that if we have our foundation on the wrong thing like the sand then the rains will come and wash us away but if we build on the rocks we have a good foundation. We will stand the test of the storm. We will stand strong in the midst of the rain. We will, we will make it. But we've also got to dig our trench. That's the second thing. So you've got to dig that trench, which I mentioned, and funnel the water into a proper place of use. So how do we do this in our lives? or What does this look like? Well, it could be all sorts of things. Be it the new job that you got. You got the promotion and you're happy and excited. But with that comes new challenges, right? Say before you were just kind of a grunt. You worked for somebody else and you had peers that worked alongside you, but now you're in charge of some people. And that's hard to do, right? Becoming, going from leading no one, now you lead a team of people. And there that's both good and challenging, right? Or maybe it's, Something else, maybe it's becoming, uh, if I may, I'm going to use Seth and Maggie as an example real quick to illustrate this point because I think it is the best illustration possible. Um, They shared with us last week, if you weren't here or missed it, they shared with us that they're about to make a move, but they're also about to have a baby. And those are both awesome, awesome things, but they bring with them incredible challenges. Sorry, hate to break it to you. But what they could do is they could sit back and they could pray and say, God, we need you to take care of this. And we we got to sell our house, God, so we need you to send us a buyer. And we need baby stuff, so we need you to send somebody who will bring us some baby stuff. And then they could do nothing, right? They could just do that. They could just pray about it and hope that God moves. Or they could pray about it and they could accompany a move of God with faithful steps of obedience. And see, that's what we have to do when the rain is coming, is we have to accompany the move of God with faithful steps of obedience. Think about it this way in their context. they got to sell the house. They probably have to call a realtor, right? Probably ought to list the house for sale, maybe. They might want to shop for a house even because if they sell their house and then they don't have nowhere to live, mom and dad, they're Jim, Kirsten, they're on their way to your house, You know, and and so they might want to accompany their prayers for God to bring someone to buy their house with actually listing their house for sale. I know it's novel. It's crazy, right? Who would do that? But it's faithful steps of obedience. Same with a baby. They know they have a baby coming. You know what? They probably should shop at Target a little bit. Hit up a Target, buy a crib, you know, think about that. Have a party. This is life advice right here. Have a party where all your friends bring you an endless supply of diapers because you need like a lifetime supply just to make it through the first year. Right? See, there are things that they have to do to prepare for the rain and this move of God in their life. And if they just ignore it and they don't prepare, well, they won't be ready when the rain comes. In fact, With the house they may still be living here this time next year you know we have to always accompany a move of God and our prayers for God to move with faithful steps of obedience faithful steps of obedience that's how we prepare for consequences of the rain we've got to do our part and trust that God will do his part third thing much easier. We've got to prepare to share the blessings. we got to prepare to share the blessings. See, again, this is part of digging that trench. It's funneling the water into a place of purpose. And see, I think that this is critical, that we build into our lives as Christians a way to share the blessings that God pours out on us. For you, it could be financial blessing. And so you're, you, you're generous with your giving and you give and you faithfully trust that God can use that. Could be resources, material things, whatever. But it could also be something you know uh, less tangible, and I think this is just as important that we share our stories of victory and of God moving in our lives with others. It's tempting that when God does something big in our lives, because we don't want to brag and we don't want to rub it in people's faces, that we just don't say anything. But here's the thing. When God does something amazing in your life and then you share it with me, I get this feeling. Well, if they did it, if God, if you did it in their life, you can do it in my life. And that becomes this amazing moment of where we are sharing in the triumphs of God. Perhaps in little less popular, I think you should share also in your failures because then I can feel, wow, they messed up. I don't feel so bad when I mess up right? Because Lord knows I'm not perfect and I'm going to mess up. So it gives me this sense of we're all on the same playing field. We're all trying to grow. We're all trying to, we don't get it right every day. We're not perfect. And I don't know about you, but it is amazing to me when someone has the courage and the boldness to share those types of blessings. It is so much, almost in some, in some cases, more uplifting to me uh, to, to hear someone's story of victory or someone's, uh, you know, uh, failure than if someone in a financial need, someone came and just gave me a bunch of money. I mean, that's an amazing blessing too, but, but it, it is so powerful when we share our victories and we should build that into our lives. Last and final thing, we've got to make provisions for the future. Now I think these last two go hand in hand and I put this one second for a reason. This was no accident. Not only should we share in the blessings, but we should plan for the future. And I believe that Jesus made it clear that we should prepare for the future but not at the cost of being generous. That we should always be generous first and then make provisions for the future. And here's what I mean by this. We'll kind of get into this next week. Is that if you're not in a dry season right now and life is so good, you're like, I, if I was any better, they'd have to lock me away. You know, if that's where you're at right now, store it up. Store it up because eventually you're going to be in a dry season, right? You know, eventually you're going to have a moment where it's like the rug gets pulled out from underneath you and you're like, wow. And remember the moments when God was good. Because it's really tempting in a dry season, as we said last week, to totally forget that God has ever been good to you. It's really easy to just totally disregard that God has been faithful to you and he has moved in your life in the good times. And there was a mountaintop moment once before. And if we store those things up for the future, we will be ready in the moments when everything falls apart. So last week we said that God has something great for you and the rain is coming. Well, this week, the curse has been lifted and it's raining. It's raining. Let's not miss the blessing. Let's not squander the opportunity that happens on the mountaintop of what God is doing for us, in us, and through us, church. I love the way James put it. And in James chapter five, you guys can come. Verse 17 through 18, he says this. This is the half brother of Jesus writing. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. See, Elijah was just like you and I, no different. No different. Just a human being like the rest of us. Struggling, as we're going to see next week, having moments of, uh, uh, of great faith and then having moments of no faith at all. Just like us. And yet God used him to do something so significant and so powerful that hundreds, thousands, even years later, we talk about what God did through his life. It was significant enough that James would write about it many, many, many years later. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in and through your life. That he has great things prepared for you. And may we not squander the blessing that God wants to pour out in our lives on the mountaintop. And that we would be willing to share that blessing and pour it out into the lives of other people. May we use what God does in our lives on the mountaintop, friends, as a way to build the kingdom of God in Muncie, Indiana, in Muncie First Church, in your life at home with your kids, in your workplace. May we build the kingdom of God in those places. Let's stand together, church. We're gonna continue this morning by closing out in worship. If you need to come and pray and and wanna pray about something that's going on in your life, or maybe you need God to rain down and Yes, if you ever doubt or wonder, why do I give to this church? What's my gift go for? I mean, is it just to pay staff or just to keep lights on? No, I mean, yes, but no. It's because of things like that. It's to make this facility available to people who need it in a a great time of need. It's to make this place available and and the people here to serve here to, to, to love on teenagers who are struggling every day and to love on children who need to know about Jesus and to know that God loves them and that God is powerful and can move in their life. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we do what we do in the hopes that people who are far from Jesus would come to know him and have their lives changed forever church so that's why we worship this morning and sing yet again and I hope you're not getting tired of it but this song just truly is the theme of what we're talking about here is that there is a cloud and the rain is coming and God is moving and may we faithfully and expectantly believe that this morning as we sing together church amen let's sing Amen. That is our prayer this morning. I don't want to embarrass him, but you might notice that we have an extra person on stage this morning who isn't normally up here. For those of you who don't know, this is Chris. He's been coming to our church for a little while, and he is the product of a church that faithfully loved on and served teenagers. Chris and I grew up at kind of in the same home church I didn't grow up in the church but when I started going to church I attended the church that he and his family attended and they got him involved as a teenager playing in the band and serving in the church and crazy life events have brought us I mean it's like flashback down here for me you know seeing him play again because we when I started leading worship in our youth group he was our drummer, and I used to yell at him and get mad because I didn't know how to tell him what I needed him to do. And, and it's amazing to see what God can do when a church loves and faithfully serves teenagers and people and doesn't say that, oh, you're just a kid. Go off and sit in the back and be quiet. Man, they used to let him come in and just play his drums by himself and be real loud and noisy and all of our people, both young and old, would cheer and clap for him. And I believe that it made a difference, and he's serving in the church to this day. May we do that, church. May we do that here to both ch- with kids, teenagers, and, and everyone. God wants to use all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we desperately want your reign to pour out in our lives and whatever God area it is that, that you choose to pour out. God, just wash over us with your spirit and your powerful move. God, use us. Use us individually. God, use us as a church to make a difference, to build your kingdom in this place. The drought is gone. The dry season is over. May we rejoice because of that. Help us to rejoice, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're so glad you're here today. We hope it was a blessing to you. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you back next week as we finish out this series.